So we are in this mini-series about God's presence, about the Holy Spirit. We said last Sunday that the Holy Spirit is a topic that people try to stay away from because there's, there's a lot of mystery regarding the Holy Spirit, a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. And because of that, our natural tendency is to simply avoid the topic and, and not talk about the Holy Spirit. We can talk about God the Father. We can talk about God the Son, who is Jesus Christ. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we are just kind of pretty careful about this topic. And so last Sunday, we looked at John 14. We said that there are a couple of things that are very clear in God's word about the Holy Spirit. We said that first, the Holy Spirit is not simply a force or some type of energy. We said that the Holy Spirit is, is a person, that you can relate to the Holy Spirit. But we also said that the Holy Spirit is not just a person, but the Holy Spirit is, is God himself. That there's this mystery in, in the Godhead, and we call this the Trinity, how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, they are three different people, but at the same time, they exist as one. And we kind of, kind of talked about that topic. Uh, the best way I can describe uh, that is, is this. Um, there are things about God that are way too big for our understanding, but that doesn't mean we should completely neglect it uh, in general. I think about space, right? People tell me that there are planets outside um, and, and, and these gigantic stars uh, in our galaxy, uh, in our solar system. Uh, we have all these different planets that exist. i never seen those things with my own eyes. i only seen photos of those things, but I still believe it. For the longest time, uh, people on Earth, they believe that the Earth was flat. Maybe you still have that perspective, but modern technology allows us to see that the Earth is actually around that the reality that we believed in before is actually false, but there's a greater reality. I think in the same way, uh, the reason why God is so hard to understand is not because he's trying to hide stuff from us, but it's more about him being so big, so grand. Like he is bigger than the space. He's the one who created space. And so how big could it be? So there's a level of mystery when it comes to God. And because of that, there's a level of mystery when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You're never going to get to a point where you feel like, okay, now I know everything about the Holy Spirit I need to know. But at the same time, you have to understand that there are certain things that are revealed to us about the Holy Spirit in God's Word. And one thing that we do see is that the Holy Spirit is not its separate entity, but the Holy Spirit is inseparable with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is not just this ghost that is floating around, doing different things in a mysterious way. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is sent by the Father. And the Spirit of God is also reminding us of Jesus Christ, the Son. So the Holy Spirit, although He is completely God, He is all-knowing, He is all-powerful, He is ever-present, He is eternal, He is holy, sovereign, all those things, those attributes that you would associate with God, He is 100% God. At the same time, just like the Son submits to the Father, the Holy Spirit follows the will of the Father, and also speaks of the Son. No, Jesus, on the earth, when he was on earth, what he said was this, I don't speak according to my own, out of my own authority or my own understanding, but I speak of the Father. The Father and I are one. And he says, my agenda is not just to do my will, but it's to do the will of the Father. The same is true about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, although I am fully God, I make a, a decision to not speak of myself, but I live according to the will of the Father, I also speak of the Son. That is that's my thing. And the Holy Spirit, we see that he's 
another helper, helper just like Jesus, that he is our legal advocate, wonderful counselor. He is our comforter in all, every possible way, just like Jesus walked on earth and led those 12 disciples to a path of discipleship. The Holy Spirit is doing the same thing in our lives, that he's standing right, not just next to us, but inside of us. He's making things personal, things clear in our lives. And so we see that he's the one who leads us to all truth. And the last thing that we said last Sunday is the fact that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That is, that is absolutely true. And in Romans 8, 9, the Bible says, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And the Spirit of Christ is speaking of the Holy Spirit. So you can't belong to Jesus and not have the Spirit. You can't have the Holy Spirit without belonging to Jesus. Those two go hand in hand. So if you are in Christ, then the Spirit lives in you. But this leads us to a very difficult question, and it's this. If I gave my life to Jesus, if I made a personal decision to to believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, why am I not experiencing the great works of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my everyday life? Why does it feel so dry? Why does it feel like I'm walking with Jesus? Like, you know, the 12 disciples, they experienced some crazy things when Jesus was with them. I mean, if that is true, why is my life so dry? Why sometimes do I doubt God? Do I question whether or not God is working in my life? And so that's the question I want to tackle today. Uh, Because a lot of times when we don't see the work of God in our lives, especially when we don't kind of, when we are unaware of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what happens is we begin to question our salvation. We begin to question God and ask if he's even real, that, if, that we question God's word and his promises because he clearly promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to all believers, but in reality, I don't really experience that on a day-to-day basis. Now, one thing we have to understand is this. It is one thing to have the Spirit of God in you. It's another thing to be filled with that same Spirit. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. It's another thing to be full of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18 in today's passage. It says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for it is debauchery, it is reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Notice that in that one verse, there are two commands, a negative command and a positive command. The negative command is that don't get drunk on wine. The positive command is be filled with, with the Spirit. And so God, he gives us this gracious gift, the moment of salvation, he gives us his presence, his Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but at the same time, there's a clear command, something that we need to obey. God says, be filled with the Spirit. So having the Spirit in you and being filled with the Spirit are two different things. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. That you can have the Spirit in you because you're a believer in Jesus, but yet you can miss out on all that the Spirit has to offer because you're not being filled with the Spirit. So in the rest of our time together, I simply want to answer this one question. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So I, I see three things in today's text. First one is this, to be filled with the Spirit is to give up control. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to give up control. Look at verse 18 one more time. It says, Do not get drunk with wine, for it is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, it looks really strange and weird 
that God would mention drunkenness in the same sentence as being filled with the Spirit. That, that just seems really, really odd. I mean, this, this is coming out of nowhere, almost. The Bible makes it very clear that drunkenness is, is a sin. Now, drinking itself is not a sin. It could be a sin and lead to sin if you're not doing it in the right manner, in a self-centered way. But drunkenness, the Bible makes it very, very clear that that is a sin. That, that's not something that, that, that Christians should do. That, that's something that we ought to be uh, aware of. And here, clearly, Paul says, do not get drunk on wine. And by the way, when he says do not get drunk on wine, he's not saying that you can get drunk on other alcoholic beverages. He's not saying that beer or vodka is okay. He's talking about the general concept. Drunkenness itself is something that you should stay away from. But at the same time, you should fill yourself with the Spirit. There's a lot of similarities between drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit. And I think that's why uh, Paul is mentioning uh, the sin of drunkenness at this point in time. No, when we say someone is drunk, uh, that means that person is under the influence of, of alcohol. That means that someone uh, not only is drinking alcohol, but alcohol is, is, is controlling that person. Like, you're doing things that you don't normally do. And, you are, and you're unable to do the things that you would normally do. For example, driving, right? I don't have an issue with driving. I can, and I can drive in my sleep. No, not really, but I'm pretty good at driving. Like, it, it's second, second nature to me. But when you are drunk and you try to drive, what happens is your body, like, it can't function the same way. Your mind, you, you think you can keep the steering wheel straight, but you're, like, swerving, you're, 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 you're doing different things. There's a reason why, like, we have a law against, you know, drunk driving. Like, it's, it's because if you drive under the influence of alcohol, no matter how, what you think, your body is not going to respond in the same way. So the things that you can normally do, you're unable to do. But the things that normally you're unable to do, now you can do. For example, let's say you have a crush on, on, on someone. And, and normally, uh, you can't express your emotions. You feel like, man, this is kind of foolish. That person is never going to love me back. And you're really shy about your, your feelings. And what happens is you get drunk. And all of a sudden, you look in the mirror. And you're like, man, like, I don't look too bad. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, like a pretty good gal. Like, I, I think I have a shot. And what happens is you, you dial up that number, you send a text, and, and, and you, you wake up the next day, and you look at your phone, and it's like, what did I just do, right? What happens is the things that you would normally, like, stay away from, under the influence of alcohol, all of a sudden you have the courage, like, to, to call up your crush or to do something in such a way. So you see that alcohol influences you in, the, in different ways. And the same is true about the Spirit of God. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit it, it allows, you to think, do, it allows you to do things that you would not normally do, such as walking in godliness, the things that you would normally do according to your flesh, like living in sin, doing all these things, being tempted. All of a sudden, when you're under the influence of the Spirit, you stay away from those things. Although it is in your nature to gravitate towards sin, when you are living in the fullness of the Spirit, you are being influenced by the Spirit, and therefore what you would normally do, you don't do. You stay away from those things. All of a sudden, the things that you delighted in, the worldly things, like it becomes gross. It becomes ungodly. You feel kind of like, you know, man, I don't know how I enjoyed this before. And all of a sudden, you gravitate towards the things of God. 
And not only that, but, but you all of a sudden experience this, this empowering in your life where you're able to do things that you would not be able to do, like love in a sacrificial way, like serve in a sacrificial way, things that you would not normally do in your own mind, in your own flesh. Under the influence of the Spirit, you're able to do certain things. Like there are some people who are able to do some crazy things under the influence of the Spirit's like one of those things I think is forgiveness, right? Like we're able to forgive people, even people who hurt us, like people who are really trying to just destroy our lives. Like Jesus, under the influence of the Spirit, he was able to walk in holiness. So to be filled with the Spirit is to give up control. Just like alcohol has, has a control over the body when you are drunk, when you are filled with the Spirit, the Spirit has control over you. Now, there are times when, when I have to drive uh, and, um, and I'm with, with my wife and we would discuss, hey, uh, should I drive? Should you drive? Most of the time it's me driving. But one thing that we do not do, although we love each other dearly, is one thing we do not do is uh, we say, oh, man, we just can't figure out who's going to drive today. And therefore, I'm going to have one hand on the steering wheel and I want you to have the other hand on the steering wheel. Like, like either I'm driving or she's driving. Like, one thing that cannot happen is two people driving. Like, because, you know, that's just how, you, how, that's not how you drive. The truth is, a lot of people try to drive through the Christian life in such a way that, that they have one hand on their life. They allow God to have the other hand on their life. And they're struggling to, to drive straight. They're struggling to get to their destination. Why? Because they fall into the side. They believe that somehow that if you have two drivers, you can get to your destination. That is not true. It's either you driving your own life or, or God driving the car of your life. And what the Bible tells us is this. For those who rely on their own strength, their own understanding, your final destination is pretty bad. But God, he leads us to the pathway of life, eternal life and life in abundance. So, so giving up control is the first thing that you see when you are filled with the Spirit. And, and this is quite scary I think this is one reason why we try to stay away from the topic of the Holy Spirit. It's because God the Father, we love. Jesus, he lived in history. But when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, now it becomes personal. Now it becomes a present reality. Like, I believe in George Washington, but if he was, he was not real, if he was a made-up figure that, that my history teachers were teaching me, I'm fine with that. Because it doesn't really have much significance in my life right now, whether he was real or not. But when you're talking about someone who's living Right now, like, my wife, who's, who's next to me, like, if someone tells me she's not real, then that's a big deal to me. Like, the reason why we struggle with the idea of the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit makes our faith present and personal. And what the Bible tells us is this. Although it is a scary thought for us to give up control over the things of our lives, uh, the decisions that we have to make in our lives, the control that we have over our marriage, over our parenting, over uh, how we spend our time, our resources, how we pursue relationships. It's a scary thought to do so, but it's the best decision that you can make. To be filled with the Spirit is to give up control. It's to give up control. The second thing that we see in today's text is this. To be filled with the Spirit is being filled with God's Word. To be filled with the Spirit is being filled with God's Word. We talked about this last Sunday, but we said that the Holy Spirit no, although he's capable of doing supernatural things, his main goal in our life is to lead us to Jesus Christ, is to, to remind us of all that Christ has said to us. So he's the one who leads us to all truth, to help us to see Jesus in a clear way. And so we see in John 14 and 16 that, 
he leads us to deeper understanding, not a different understanding, but a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates what is true about Jesus in, in God's word. And so he takes us into a deeper level. Now, I want you to compare today's passage with another passage that we see in Colossians 3, 16, and 17. Today's passage says this. If you are filled with the Spirit, what happens is you address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So when you're filled with the Spirit, there are, there are these songs that come out of your heart, thanksgiving, joy, submission, all that we see. But go to Colossians 3, 16 and 17, and this is what it says. Paul, same person is speaking. He says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's almost like Paul did copy and paste. The only difference is this. In Ephesians 5, he says this is what it's like to live in the fullness of the Spirit. In Colossians 3, Paul says this is what it's like to have the words of Christ dwell in you richly. So to Paul... Being filled with the Spirit is, is the same thing as being full of, of God's Word, like being, being saturated with God's Word. And this is so important. You know, you can, have the, you, can, you can have the greatest chef in your kitchen, but if you have no ingredients, if your ingredients are rotten, like, like unusable, if you, all you have are like cheap condiments, like it's hard for a, a great chef to produce a good meal, Right? I think a lot of times our, uh, we're expecting God to simply produce all these great results without having the ingredients. Like the Holy Spirit, he works off of God's word, right? He's the one who brings truth out of God's word. He's the one who helps us see God's word in a personal and a powerful way. The problem that we have on a day-to-day -day basis is this. We don't have the ingredients. Like we have no knowledge about God's word, no understanding about who he is, like little to no understanding about what happened in history and what God promised to his people. And we have no ingredients, and we're yet, yet we're asking the Holy Spirit, cook something out for me that's delicious, that's great. What God is saying is this, if you want to experience the fullness of God's Spirit and the work that he does in our life, you have to saturate yourself with God's word, that you have to make yourself available to his word, that you have to have times in which you dive into God's word, that you wrestle with God's word. This is why personal devotional time is, is so important. This is why it's important for you to be part of a small group where you can go deeper into God's word. This is why this time that we have together is so critical and crucial in our growth. It's because when we are saturated with God's word, the Holy Spirit is able to work in our lives in a powerful way. He's able to fill us and take those words bring it to life, and we not only experience this life, new life inside of us, we begin to see our life in a different way. So how do we make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis in line with God's Spirit? Well, first, we need to fill ourselves with the Word of God and spend time in God's Word. So the Holy Spirit, when He fills us, what happens is we lose control. We give control up to, up to God. When He fills us, we are filled with God's Word. The third thing that we see is this. To be filled with the Spirit is to live life in full joy, thanksgiving, and obedience. To live life in full joy, thanksgiving, and 
obedience. If you're constantly, constantly complaining about life, complaining about God, in your heart there's nothing that you're thankful for, most likely you need more of, of the Spirit. Because when you are filled with the Spirit, what happens is you don't focus on all the things that you do not have. You begin to see everything that God has offered to you, all the gracious gifts that God has given to you, the, the incredible gift that he gives to you in his presence, in his promises. You have all these different things in your life. Now, we said earlier that being filled with the Holy Spirit is like being filled with alcohol. People, they want to get drunk for various reasons. Some people want to get drunk because they're so worried about life that they have to get drunk in order to forget about the reality that they're living in. Some people, they get drunk so that they can have courage to do certain things. Some people, they get drunk for happiness, for joy. Some people, they get drunk so that they can open up when it comes to, and be honest with their feelings. And all these things seem very, very true, but just think about this. Clinically, pharmaceutically, alcohol is a depressant. What that means is this. When you are consuming alcohol and you're getting drunk, it's not like it is, it is heightening your senses, it's heightening your, your, your brain activity. It's actually suppressing it. Like you're be, becoming depressed. And, and what happens is this, like it dulls your sense of reality. It slows down your brain activity. The reason why you don't worry as much when you are drunk is this, is because you, 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 you forget what you, you, you're, you're afraid of. You forget what, what, what's actually making you worry. Like it's, it's, not, it's simply forgetting. Your worries are still there the next morning. You're simply forgetting about those worries for a period of time. The reason why alcohol gives you courage is not because it makes you stronger all of a sudden. It's because it distorts the reality in front of you. Right? All of a sudden, when you are drunk, this guy who is buff, who is tall, who is strong, and you would not pick a fight with that person on a normal circumstance. When you're drunk, all of a sudden, this, this buff, strong uh, guy looks very, very tiny. And, and you feel really good about yourself. You feel like in, in one punch, I can knock that person off, and you make a bad decision. What happens when you are filled with alcohol is that you lose touch with reality around you. When it comes to happiness, when it comes to satisfaction, if you say that, when I drink, I feel happy, satisfied. I mean, a little bit of wine could do that. But in order for you to feel happiness, if you need to get drunk, this is what you're saying. You're saying that I need to lose touch with reality in order to feel happy. I have to set my mind off of what is true about my life in order to be happy. And that is a sad, sad reality. But what the Word of God says is this. The Holy Spirit, although there's many similarities between the Holy Spirit and alcohol, it works in a completely different way. It doesn't depress you. It actually brings out the best of you. It doesn't distort reality around you. It helps you to see things clearly. When you are afraid, when you need courage, you feel all alone, and all of a sudden, when you are filled with the Spirit, you begin to see things that, are, that were present, that were true, but you simply were blind to those realities. You begin to realize that you're not alone, but you're with God. That God... He's pouring your favor, his favor upon your life, that he's not leaving you as, as orphans. There are times when you need hope, and, and the Holy Spirit reminds you of all the promises that are in God's word, and because of that, in the midst of suffering and, and hardships and tribulations, you can stand up and, and walk again in, in the spirit. You know, one of the biggest blessings that can happen in our life and is actually experiencing hardships. And I, I don't say this in a light way. I don't think we can fully understand the scope of suffering and hardships in our lives, 
I don't know why certain things happen um, in, in our lives, but one thing is very, very clear. When we are vulnerable to suffering, when we are struggling in our life, when life gets really, really difficult, you come to a place where you realize that you're not that tough, that you're not that big, that you think having a lot of money, having a position, having maybe youth, youthfulness or health would, would keep you safe, and you realize that in, there are certain moments in your life there's nothing that you can do, that you are actually pretty weak and vulnerable, that, that you don't have everything together. And it is in those moments when you realize that you're small and sinful at the same time, God is really, really big. That you can't just trust in your own understanding and your ability, but you have to trust in a bigger, better God. And so to be filled with the Spirit is to experience all these different things. I want to close with this helpful illustration. Just think about this. I have um, a faucet inside of my house. I actually have multiple faucets inside of my house. Um, and every time you know, Timothy has to wash his hands, I have to say, hey, Timothy, hey, turn, the faucet, turn on the faucet, turn on the water. That's what I say. The phrase that I use is turn on the water. But that is a, I mean, partially that's true, but that, not really. That's not really a true statement. You know why? Because my house, my apartment always has water, 24-7. As long as I'm paying the bills, there's water unlimited water that's flowing into my apartment. Now, this is not true for every place in the world, but at least in America, like where we have clean water being supplied to us. Somewhere, there's this gigantic tank, right? And from that tank, you have this massive amount of water that's being supplied at a high pressure. Because of that pressure, that water first flows into your neighborhood and then into your street, and then it gets divided into different units. And because of that, you have running water. You have access to running water on a daily basis. But it's one thing to have running water in your unit. It's another thing to turn the faucet, to, to open the valve, and to remove the barrier so that you can enjoy that water. I think the same is true about the Holy Spirit. God, he says, the moment you believe in Jesus, you have a source of living water inside of you. Like you get connected to the system, the heavenly system, the kingdom of God. That, that whenever you just need it, you have access to his full presence. It's not that God is hiding his presence or limiting his presence in our lives. We have full access to God's presence. That's why Jesus said to the woman at the well, hey, you drink from this well, you're going to be thirsty again, but if you drink from what the water that I have to offer, you never thirst again because there is a stream of living water that's going to spur out inside of you. And so you have access to the living water in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. But one thing that's happening is this. You're not turning on the faucet. You're not removing the barriers in your life. And you're wondering why there's no filling of the Spirit. You're wondering why life is so dry. Although you are a believer and you have committed your life to Jesus, therefore God gives you this incredible gift in the Spirit on a daily basis. You are so busy with life. You are so prideful in your ways. That, that, you, that you don't want to let go of all the control that you have in your life. In other words, you don't leave any room for those barriers to be removed, all your sinful ways to be removed. And therefore, you never get to experience the fullness that Christ has to offer. Those things like prayer, reading and meditating on God's word in your personal time with the Lord, going deeper into God's word in smart small group, living out God's word with the body of Christ. These things, I'm not saying that these things give you living water. The living water is given to you in faith, by grace, 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. When you make a personal decision to trust and follow him, you have access to this living water. But what's happening is as you are doing these spiritual practices on a day-to-day basis, as you are making yourself more available to God's word, more available to God's presence with God's people, what you're doing is you're opening up those vows one by one. And sooner or later, the spirit of God is going to fill your life in a way that you would have more than you could ever imagine, more joy than you could ever imagine, more satisfaction than you could ever imagine, more peace than you could ever imagine, more direction in your life than you could ever imagine. So if you have access to that presence, open up those vows. On a daily basis, practice these spiritual disciplines so that you can access the fresh water that comes from the Spirit of God. Now, for some of you, I also understand that you're turning on all those vows, right? You're doing your Bible reading, you're praying, and you're like, man, this feels dry. Most likely, it's because you've been practicing religion, but you never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're in a unit that has no running water. And you're turning on, trying to turn on the water, and you're wondering why nothing is flowing out. It's because you need to be connected with the source. You need to make a decision, a personal decision to follow Jesus. And when you do so, and that source of life flows into your life, then you are able to enjoy these different things. I just think about D.L. Moody, one of the great American evangelists in the 1800s. And, and I love him because he, he, he's kind of like, you know, he had a rough life. He's not the smartest guy. Um, he, he was the seventh uh, child among nine. So he has four brothers, four sisters, big family. At the age of four, he lost his dad. And so uh, the single mom uh, had to raise nine children. And that was really, really tough. So a lot of those children had to make a decision, drop out from school. Uh, they had to make a decision to, to earn money at a young age to support the family. And, and D.L. Moody, um, at the age of 17, he decides instead of pursuing a higher education, he decides to work at his uncle, uh, uncle's shoe store. And under one condition, the uncle said that if you want to work at my store, you need to go to church. And at the age of 17, as D.L. Moody is going to church, he meets this Sunday school teacher. And through that Sunday school teacher, he hears about Jesus. He accepts Jesus. By the way, that's why we have small groups and Sunday school. It's not just the pastors, but your teaching, you can make a difference. Because D.L. Moody, later on, he has all these revivals. He leads so many people to Christ. And so he's this big-name guy who's doing so much. He's like, he came out of nowhere and people, they're, they're wondering how is this possible that this uneducated guy is doing all this work for the glory of God. And one time, D.L. Moody had an opportunity to go over to England to have a series of revivals. And one of the older pastors in England said this, man, who is this guy, Mr. Moody? He's uneducated. He's inexperienced. Who does he think he is anyway? Does he think he has monopoly on the Holy Spirit? So these people were not happy that D.L. Moody did not have um, a higher education, that he wasn't the most wise or talented person. And so there's like, why do we need to invite this guy to speak at our revival? And one of the younger, wiser pastors raised their hand and said this. That's right. D.L. Moody is inexperienced. He doesn't have much under his resume. He doesn't even have monopoly over the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has monopoly over D.L. Moody's life. Everyone has access to the Holy Spirit, right? I don't have monopoly over the Holy Spirit. You don't have monopoly over the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have access to the Holy Spirit. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have monopoly over your life? 
Does he have control over your life? Is he the one who's driving the, 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 driving the ship? Is he the one who's leading you and guiding you? If that's the case, then sooner or later, as you are following these footsteps, uh, these pro- this process of, of sanctification, as you are living out this, this beautiful gospel reality where you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, not only would there be a difference in your life, it's going to make a difference to generations to come. Now, what happens right after this passage is now all of a sudden Paul begins to talk about the relationship between the husband and the wife, um, the parents and, and children, and then master and slaves like a work environment, and then talking about spiritual warfare. But what he's saying is this. When you are filled with the Spirit, not only does it make a difference in your life, it makes a difference in your marriage. When you're filled with the Spirit, it makes a difference in your child's life. But how many of you would love if your father or mother were more filled with the Spirit, that they would lead you and guide you in a more loving way? Like, there's so many ways that you can impact your children simply by being filled with the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, you begin to make an impact at your workplace. It all begins with the Spirit. The great thing is God gives us access to the Spirit freely, without charge, through His Son, Jesus Christ. But one thing is, as much as we have access to the Spirit, we have to constantly live out this command to be filled with the Spirit. Although we can't fill ourselves with the Spirit, we can be filled. God is one who fills us. We can give ourselves to God. We can make ourselves available, remove the barriers, open up the valves, turn on the faucets, and and we can say, God, fill us. My life is yours. It's in your hands. So fill my life with your spirit. And when you do that, you'll experience the incredible life that the spirit has to offer. And my prayer is that you would do that on a day-to-day basis. Walk with Jesus Christ in the fullness of God's spirit. Amen? Let's pray.